0: As we go into part two of our series on the ripple effect, uh, the effect of, that Jesus started as he brought the good news of the kingdom to this earth 2,000 years ago that continues to ripple through our lives, uh, we are going to go into part two of that today in John chapter 4, and Amy is going to read that for us.
1: All right, today we're reading from John chapter 4, verse 4 to 26. I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claimed that the place where he must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship that what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews." Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Before we reflect on that passage, um, I'm just wondering if uh, we we have a little short sharing time, and uh, if anyone has just in the last few weeks, if there's anything God's done in your life, or that you've seen God at work in some way, and you'd be willing just to share a little 20-second testimony of that, um, I'm sure... Many of you do have something to share, that God, a way you've seen God at work. Maybe you haven't stopped to think about it. But take a minute to, to think about that. And if, you've, if there's some way you just see God at work or you've experienced God's goodness and you don't mind shouting it out, um, we'd love to hear that. It's important that we share the stories of what God's, what God's doing in our lives. And um, we're going to do that in the coming weeks and uh, encourage people who have a story to come up the front and share that. But anyone got one? Some way you've seen God at work. Yeah, John? Oh. Uh, yeah, is that the one we've been talking about? No, I want to get you up another time and share properly on that one. Yeah, because that's a good one. But um, yeah, we'll, 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 uh, we'll share more. Anything else? Yeah, Roz. A baptism? On the beach. On the beach. Baptisms are always wonderful. Who was, whose baptism was that? A young woman. Amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> good. yeah yeah a he- healing in a relationship with a with a family member with a son that's amazing god is good sometimes there's a lot of waiting in these things that it takes before we see god is good <laughs> we, we trust that god's good anything else yeah francis
1: to the of
0: the working together. Yeah, so friends, instance you said, people seeing how the church is working together um, around this um, huge event now, isn't it? Byford Carols, um, which is supported by the wider community, but people seeing the church. That's great. Yeah, cool. If you have something that you like, I'm not so sure about sharing it you know, publicly, but you'd love to share, I'd really love to hear from you. Um, Many of us know this account of the woman at the well and what Jesus did in her life um, and how she got excited and went and shared with others. And so I'm wondering if you don't mind, do you mind if I share something about my Christian faith with you? Uh, 15, 20 seconds. Um, There was a time when I was really quite arrogant and pretty insecure, actually, but Jesus showed me the his extravagant love, and that he's forgiven me, and now I have purpose in my life, and I feel the joy of walking with him. Do you have a story like that? Now, pause for a second. Who knows what that was? Yeah, yeah, I saw Rachel smiling there. Uh, some of you are going, what's he talking about? Well, about 40 of you were at a little workshop we did last Sunday, and uh, we were taught a few tools, and one of them was to share our 15-second testimony. Don't know if any of you were timing me just then, but um, that was a, a version. I didn't have it written down on paper. That was a version of my 15-minute, 15 15-minute, 15 15-second 15 testimony, which is a simple, short, concise way to share your story of your faith in Christ. Starting with "There was a time when," so that's how I began. Then followed with two words on who you were before you met Jesus, two words about what Jesus has done for you, two words about how you are now that you know Jesus, and then finish with um, asking the question of if, if the person you're talking to has had an experience like that. So I said, do you have a story like that? So I, I was sharing something that I'm learning to be open to saying to someone um, who I know who isn't a believer, and then shutting up and listening that's the other part of sharing a 15-second testimony. Um, and one of the reasons that this... And, and when we can, do, we can do a little training on this for, for those who missed it another time. But one of the reasons this in particular is a very, very powerful tool is because it's not just a way for you to help someone else take a step towards Jesus who's not a churchgoer, not a Christian, not, not a believer. It's not just a tool to try and help them. It's actually uh, developing and practising your 15-second testimony is actually a way for you to more fully grasp who Jesus is and what he's done for you, to understand that, to, to remember that, to go, wow, this, this is really who Jesus is and what he's done for me. And that is what, our, what this sermon series, together with a series of Bible studies that some small groups are doing, And workshops, the one we held last February and another one in May. That's what this ripple effect theme is all about. Yes, it's about evangelism. It's about sharing our faith, letting God's work in us ripple out from our lives into the lives of others. But that all starts with the drop that creates the ripple. It all starts with what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus has done in us. And so you and I can understand the gospel, the good news of Jesus as much as we like. We can dissect it and study it and find ways to communicate it and contextualize it and creatively unpack it and live it visibly and all of that stuff meant much good training you know, coming on that. And that's all good, but when we've experienced the gospel for ourselves, when we've receive Jesus and who he really is for ourselves, that's when our lives really create a ripple effect out into the lives of others. The ripples just happen naturally. And so I want to look at this passage from John chapter 4 today that that Amy's just read and make some observations, firstly about Jesus and what he's doing here, but then hone in on what I think is a really, if not the key takeaway for us today. So let's start with What Jesus is doing here. Notice what he talks to this woman, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. What he talks to her about. It's not a lot of how's the weather. Tell me about you. Did you hear the Roman about the Romans and what they're doing? Goodness me, you know. Have a nice day. Is it? It's not. There's not much chit chat going on. What were the topics of conversation? Here's here's a few of them. Spiritual water and thirst. Relationships between Samaritans and Jews, different theological perspectives. Theology of worship and religious differences, her difficult relationship history, who Jesus is and why he's important, the Messiah. It's very spiritual, theological, deep conversations. At one point, Jesus indicates that he has got uh, some supernatural insight into her situation. You don't actually have a husband, you've had five, you know. But I'm not so sure that from the very beginning of the conversation, Jesus just supernaturally knows how the conversation's going to go, oh, this woman's going to go off to the Samaritan village and she's going to evangelize, everyone. It's going to be great. I don't know Jesus knows that from the beginning. I believe Jesus is actually being what I call conspicuously spiritual. He's going into the conversation Not assuming anything about this woman and whether she's interested or disinterested and that she's definitely going to be the kind of person we've now read about, but that he's testing the waters, if you like. He's being, as my friend likes to put it, conspicuously spiritual. Talking about spiritual things and seeing where the conversation goes. Helping him suss out, is she interested in what I have to offer? Being conspicuously spiritual intentionally injecting conversation about faith into it, however you want to put it, is an excellent way for us to discover opportunities for faith conversations with people outside the church. Not being afraid to throw things in that might spark more conversation or questions. Not being shy of telling people, you're at church on the weekend. Or, why are you late to work? Well, I was up at Bible study last night having a deep conversation about the atonement theories or whatever it might be. Right? To tell people, I'm uh, maybe... I'm struggling with something, but I really feel God is helping me through it. Or telling them, I I feel like I have the Holy Spirit guiding me on this. Even if they go, whoa, I don't know what that's about. Conspicuously spiritual. This is a great way, I would say even a Jesus way, of looking for opportunities to engage in deeper faith conversations with people. Because if someone says, what do you mean by that? Why are you at Bible study late last night? What, what, oh, so how often do you go to church? Well, whatever the case may be. It can lead to greater opportunity. For example, uh, sharing your 15-second testimony or, or, or saying some more about your faith. I, I didn't get this when I was younger. I remember um, I was in university and I was finishing up with my uni course and one of my friends asked me, what are you doing next year? And I said, I'm going to Bible college. And he kind of looked at me funny and went, oh, okay, that's, that's interesting. Um, did you say barber college? It's like cutting hair? I'm like, no, 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 Bible college. I can't remember where the conversation went after that, but it would have been an opportunity. When it comes to being conspicuously spiritual, though, and saying being open about, well, we're a believer and we, we talk about these things, I know that I have a problem. And the problem is I don't want to be conspicuously spiritual. I just want to chit-chat. It's more comfortable. I don't want to be judged. I want to fit in. I don't want to come across as pushy or religious. And I certainly don't want them to know that I'm intentionally being conspicuously spiritual. And here we face a dilemma. Why are we ashamed to talk about our faith or even just hint at our faith? to be open about our devotion to God, to be open about our commitment to God's people, to let non-churchgoers see that in our lives. What are we ashamed of? What is holding us back? Maybe that's not the case for you, but I know it is for me. And I think there's a few things. This is not an exhaustive list, but here's three things, I think, are barriers to our being conspicuously spiritual. One is we have a fear of failure. What if it's awkward and goes nowhere? What if it turns them away? What if they're just not interested? But even Jesus didn't have success all the time. This story we read today, him and the woman at the well, is a success story, right? Uh, He's conspicuously spiritual. He engaged in this conversation about spiritual things. The woman responds, and by the end of the chapter, people all over the place are coming to Jesus because the woman received his message and went home telling everyone. That's a success story if there ever was one. Luke chapter 4, they called him a blasphemer and tried to kill him. Didn't go so well, right? It, it varied with Jesus' uh, success that how people responded to him when he said, this is the truth of who I am. Our job is not to be successful in leading people to Jesus. Our job is to be faithful. Faithful. And we see here that faithfulness in Jesus is not avoiding conversations about who he is, what he's done, being open to that uh, transparency. And in one case, faithfulness led to amazing results. In another case, faithfulness led to him trying to be, people trying to kill him. Last year, I got the chance to start reading the Bible with a guy who um, I, I would last year and year before I'd run into from time to time and um, we would have plenty of things to talk about when we ran into each other, including some deep stuff, you know, in, in our family life and and you know, stuff happening with loved ones. But I had to make the effort to bring God into the conversation if it was to go any further than that. And so at some stage eventually I did. And then only only then did I gauge that he was more open to conversation about God and how God might fit into this stuff he was dealing with. And then only then was I able to say, well, if you're interested in this, what about Alpha? And then only then was it, do you want to read the Bible together? Do you want to get together and read a passage and talk about it? And it's open, open, open. And then clearly it's a little easier to talk about God and Jesus when you're reading the Bible with someone, right? That's, that's, uh, that's obvious. But you know what? Even then, the temptation for me in reading the Bible with uh, this person at least, is to allow it to be just an intellectual exercise. Understanding the Bible, digging into the, what it means. And this this uh, friend of mine really wants to understand, is really keen on that. But you know, I've seen God at work most in his life when I've been willing not to just talk about the Bible and understanding it and what my knowledge is, but when I've been willing to share how God's worked in my life and say, that, well, this is... The Jesus we're reading about here, this is how I've experienced his presence in my life. When we don't just talk about the Bible, but really talk about the Jesus of the Bible and what he's doing in me. It's so much more powerful. And there are people in your life who you could talk to them about faith, how you go to church, pray, what you believe. But I know if you're like me, you're hesitant for whatever reason. So, if it's a fear of failure, I think, well, it's not about success, it's about faithfulness. What have you got to lose? Secondly, I think we assume that some people just won't be interested. Nope, they've made up their mind, right? Then this is, it's not of interest to them. Here's this Samaritan woman, right? Everything in her culture, in the culture at the time, said Jesus shouldn't be talking with her. She's a Samaritan. She's a woman. Jesus is a Jew. He's a man. Everything was like, you don't, they don't mix. That's, if you know, then the context, I won't go into that, but they just shouldn't even be talking to each other. They think differently, believe differently. And yet Jesus didn't assume she had no interest in what he had to offer. It would have been an easy assumption to make, but he didn't assume that. They get partway through the conversation, and Jesus has been open about spiritual things, conspicuously spiritual, and says, I've got living water. And how does she respond? Please, I want some of that water. She was open. He did not assume she lacked interest in what he had to offer. It's so easy to assume someone won't be interested because they aren't, a Christ, they aren't interested in faith. They've explored Christianity before. Maybe they once called themselves a Christian, but like now they've made up their mind, or they've been hurt from the, by the church, or whatever the story might be. This woman actually knew a lot about the Scripture. She knew a lot about Israel's history. There was stuff there but she didn't know about Jesus yet. That's the key point here. The, the case for so many people around you and I, even ex-churchgoers or people who sort of consider themselves Christians but are sort of loose with the church, we, we mustn't assume that they actually know about Jesus. Even if they talk all the language and they well, I've, done, I've tried religion and I've tried Christianity. What about Jesus? Do they know about Jesus? Because he is the gospel. And so let's not assume that people aren't interested in Jesus because I tell you what, people are interested in the stuff that Jesus has to offer. We've got to find a way to help them understand that. Thirdly, and this is maybe the most significant one, we're not confident sometimes in our own identity as a son or a daughter of God. We're unclear about who we really are and what, or to be more accurate, who we bring to people you know, we sort of say to ourselves, who am I to try and talk to someone about Jesus? Or who am I to even try to be conspicuously spiritual? I still struggle with my own faith. I've got doubts and I've got questions. We think we're not educated enough or winsome enough or whatever the case may be. But here's what Jesus brought to the conversation. I know who I am, so I'll simply be open about that. If we know who we are, beloved son or daughter of God, Messed up, broken, haven't got it all together, absolutely, but loved of God, child of God. And we're just willing to bring that. I'm a broken dude who has been changed by the love of God. I don't have all the answers, but I know that God loves me and I know he wants you to know that too. That's what we bring. That's all we need to bring, to be clear about that. So as Jesus approaches the conversation this way, he's he's talking spiritual things, and then eventually it's not so conspicuously... (laughs) Uh, He's blunt even at times, really honest. But when when she's ready, that is. He's not scared of failure. He doesn't assume she's made up her mind and is lacking interest. He's clear about who he is and what he has to offer. And I think it's great guidance for us around our friends and our our neighbours and our colleagues, and I hope that sort of sticks with you. But that's Jesus. That's what we learn from Jesus in this passage. What about the Samaritan woman? What does she tell us about our lives creating a ripple effect? What does she tell us about evangelism? After all, she is a pretty broken person whose lives and relationships are a mess. She's not in the religious elite or special chosen people. She's got questions, doubts, and really tough work on her hands. In other words, she's much more like you and me than Jesus is. If we're to insert ourselves in the story, we're not Jesus. We're the woman. Agreed? But if you know the rest of the story, who goes to the town, talks about Jesus, and the result in verse 39 is, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. What happens? We didn't read this part of the story, but what happens? Does Jesus go there? Say, hey, I'm here. Come see me. No. The woman goes into the town, and shares what Jesus has done in her life. She is the evangelist in the story, the broken, messed up relationships, hasn't got it together person, the carrier of good news that leads to salvation for who knows how many, is the woman at the well. And so what do we learn from her? Said what we've learned from Jesus. What do we learn from her? We learn one primary thing. That what she heard from Jesus, she shared with others. What she experienced from Jesus, she shared with others. I would put it this way. What she received from Jesus is what she shared with others. That's it. That's, I believe, the big lesson for us here. You can only pass on what you yourself have received. So let me ask you a question this morning. What have you received or heard from Jesus lately? Could we um, turn the aircon back on? Sorry to um, um, interrupt a holy moment, but I'm just going. I think the aircon's turned itself off. <laughs> Thanks, Francis. Let me ask that question again. What have you received or heard from Jesus lately? Have you heard him speak to you intimately, one-to-one, like this woman did, really met with him personally? Have you received from him an expression of his love that just has so shaped and transformed you that you, it just made you want to say to other people, come meet this guy. He knows everything about me. He just, he just, he just, just come. Come. Like, that, that's kind of what has happened here for her. Has this happened for you recently? Some, someone said something at our, worship, uh, our workshop last Sunday. So it, I think it was David. So sorry to pick on you, David. I'm not, I'm not picking on you, but um, uh, it, it just really got me thinking about something. Um, I think it was you who said, the best evangelists are new Christians, right? So what, what David was pointing out was... Um, when somebody comes to faith, so often it's so real and raw and fresh and exciting. It's like Jesus has changed my life and it just can't be held in. So often a new Christian agreed, uh, you know, are some of the best sharers of the faith because it's just the passion there is so, is so evident. Whereas when we've been following Jesus for a while, 10, 20 years in particular, it can, it can get a bit routine. We can experience the pain and trials. We don't naturally just share that joy with people. So, yeah, fair enough. New Christians are the best evangelists. I agree in part, but there's part of me that disagrees with this because, first of all, I think I'm actually a better evangelist now than when I came to faith at age 16. This might not be everyone's story, but back then, I didn't really understand what Jesus had done in my life, right? I I knew it was awesome but it was sort of like, hey, I went to this youth group, and, and, I, and it was, just come to the youth group. Well, that's not going to work for 60-year-olds, for starters. And for many other of my peers, that's not going to work either. But it was the particular setting in which Jesus changed my heart. Nowadays, I can better understand how to talk to people about faith in a way that helps them experience Jesus in a way that Jesus wants to meet with them, as opposed to just, I had an experience and come get that same experience. But secondly, I actually think maybe new Christians aren't necessarily the best evangelists or need not necessarily be the best evangelists for one very important reason. It's very true because when people meet Jesus, the passion's there and the excitement's there because it's such a life-changing thing. However, here is another truth. Jesus still wants to meet with, still wants to speak with, still wants to pour out his love into your life in a life-changing way today. Yes, he wanted to do it before you knew him, but I believe he wants to do it again and again and again. And I wonder if we've forgotten that. Jesus wants to meet with you, to speak with you in such a tangible way, just as much as he did before you were a Christian. So let me ask you, what have you received or heard from Jesus lately? What have you received from him in recent days or weeks or months? Because, friends, he's not holding himself back. He wants to meet with you. He wants to meet with me, just like that woman had the well. He wants to tell you things that will shape the course of your life again. Sometimes in small ways, but sometimes maybe many of you need it in a much more substantial way. So much so that you won't be able to keep it to yourself. So much so that it'll be like you're a new Christian again. I just need to tell people what's happened in my life. Do you want to be a person who creates a ripple effect for Jesus? Here's my suggestion. Let Jesus meet with you. I want to finish uh, just with a, a story of something that happened to me this week. I was at a, a prayer gathering with a few hundred um, pastors and a um, uh, beautiful setting. is was at Optus Stadium overlooking the river. Some of you have heard about this global prayer assembly, this this. Amazing initiative that's happening in Perth this year, calling Christians to unite and pray. Really, really great stuff. I'll tell you more about it another time. But um, it was the kickoff event for this prayer initiative this year. It was on Thursday morning, and to be honest, I've had such a full, exhausting, busy few weeks that I just wanted to bail. <laughs> if I'm honest, I was just like, I, I, I just want to get the rest of my work done, and then cancel the meeting I had afterwards so that I could have a couple of days off Friday, Saturday. (laughs) That was how I was feeling, but probably more out of a sense of obligation than anything, I went along to this event, um, making phone calls all the way there, sending emails in spare moments. It was not a very, I was not present to the whole thing very well at all. Just totally, yeah, overwhelmed. After some worship songs, when it kind of kicked off, different leaders from around Perth led little segments, usually with a time of prayer in each one, and it was great actually. I was really like enjoying it, and um, especially when you know certain pastors would come up to pray, and it just you know stir up the. It was really, really, really fantastic. Um, but my mind—I was still kind of half there, I guess. But one lady, uh, her name's Candace, She actually lives just down the road. Has done prayer ministry for years. Some of you know her, Candace La. Um, she began to share about a vision that a local pastor had had of a um, recently in a prayer meeting about a month ago of a Christian in this vision, a Christian just sitting at Jesus' feet in silence. There was more to it that she explained, but that was, that was the essence of it. Someone, a believer, just sitting at the feet of Jesus, just with him in silence, just enjoying being in Jesus' presence. And, um, there was some other stuff that she shared, but, but that, that was the essence of it. Then she said, what, what I'd like us to do is to sing a chorus together. You know that song, Agnes Day? I'm um, holy, holy, are you, Lord God Almighty? right? Worthy is the Lamb. And so she said, we're going to sing that a few times. And then when we sing, Amen, that, at the end of the song, we'll sit in silent prayer with no words, just sitting with Jesus for three minutes. So we sang the chorus. And um, at this point, I was a little more attentive, a little more focused, right? Okay, I'm here to spend time with Jesus. We sang the chorus, sang it a few times, and then, Worthy is the Lamb, Amen. I mean, goosebumps even talking about it, because from that moment and for the next three to four minutes, I felt the presence of God so strongly that I can count on one hand the number of times that's happened in my life. And I just wept. And he just reminded me of a few things that I'd forgotten. And I'm telling you, I'm different today than I was first thing Thursday morning before that happened because of that encounter with Jesus. And like the woman at the well, I can't help but tell you about it. Because I met with Jesus and I meet with Jesus all the time. Pete Gregg said, you know, when we open the word and ask him to speak to us. It's a guaranteed encounter with Jesus. I get that, of course. But this, this particular time, I just opened my heart a little bit more to receive what he wanted to give me and I can't help but tell you about it. My point in sharing that is this. If you need an encounter with Jesus and if Jesus knows that you need that he knows best right we can ask for what we want but he knows best if he knows that you need that he will not hold that back from you he will meet with you i'm not talking about a guarantee you're going to have a certain fuzzy feeling the same as you or have had one time or the same as me or that by asking him to speak to you into a certain trial I'm not saying there's a guarantee he'll do it right then and that it won't be a waiting period and there won't be challenges in that, but Jesus wants to meet with you and I in the way that he knows is what you and I need. So are you open to that, to receive from him what he wants to give you? I want to pray just for... An open heart and an open mind this morning. and um, You're always going to lead us in worship, Sam is going to lead us in prayer, Um, but let's stand. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are and we thank you that you are the Lamb of God who sits on the throne in humility but in great power. And that as we come before you, all we need to do is be silent. All we need to do is sit at your feet and receive what you would want want to give us in your presence. So open our hearts, open our minds to you. we're, We're willing and ready to meet with you, just like that woman at the well. Come meet with us, Jesus.